Yeah. Okay, I think we're ready to go. So, a uh, big welcome to episode two of our Malt Travail podcast. Uh, we uh, kicked off last week just some general thoughts about planning the perfect beer trip when we come out of lockdown. Uh, news today is probably isn't that great. May or, or Prime Minister yesterday was talking about possibly May before pubs may reopen, which seems a hell of a long way. Uh, we're just about to go into February now. Uh, so this week, we are going to talk a little bit more about what makes the perfect pub. So we talked last week about um, George Orwell, who came up with his uh, moon under the water concept uh, of the perfect pub. So we're going to use some of those characteristics and have a chat about those as well. Um, so we'll just do a little bit of kind of um, parish notices to kick off before we kind of get into discussion. A um, couple of things to pick up from last week uh, and obviously check in with uh, Nick and Bruce and see how they both are. Uh, so in terms of what we're drinking tonight, I know Bruce is still on the soft drinks. He's still sadly, sadly. post-COVID, so we'll ignore Bruce. Um, <laughs> I've had a couple of nice boxes this week. I had a lovely box from Beartown Brewery and I've got a tasting tomorrow night, which I'm looking really forward to. I've uh, got a box from Honest Brew this week, and last week I had a box from Flavory. So a bit of a combination. I, I've got uh, I've started on the more um, Bristol Brewery. It's quite, I quite like this. It's a pale bitter, um, 3.8%. It is quite nice, actually. And that comes from the Flavory kind of boxes. That I know I've got Bruce and uh, Nick one of those before. Uh, and then this is – I've moved on now to this one, uh, Tramlines of the Park, which is a Sheffield kind of – or Sheffield-themed beer. It's a collab between Thornbridge Brewery, obviously down there in Bakewell, and Tramlines Festival in Hillsborough. So it's quite a nice uh, session IPA. And I'm going to finish up with, again, a brewery I've never come across before, uh, Six Degrees North, which are up in Aberdeen. And this is a guy who was inspired by a Belgian brewery. So and apparently Aberdeen is Six Degrees North of Belgium, so that's why they call the brewery. And that's a pale ale. Nick, what are you on tonight? Keeping it Yorkshire again. Give you a clue. Oh, a bit of uh, Nick Hambleton Ale, is it? Yeah, oh. Hambleton Nightmare. It's a pretty crappy uh, evening up here in Malton again, rainy and cold. So it is a Thursday night, so I didn't want too much. So it's a nice 5% porter. It's everything you look for in a porter. It's warm and it's slightly sweet. It's slightly toasted. Yeah, spot on. So, Bruce, if you were drinking tonight, what would what would you all be kind of January, end of January brew? I mean, uh, did you dry January? Is that something you've never... I, I, I no, thought about it, not, but I, don't, I wasn't going to do no, it. No, absolutely not. I'm definitely not vegan, you were right. <laughs> if, I, if I were drinking tonight, I would probably... Um, we found... Oh God, we found some uh, wonderful porters uh, in an independent beer shop that closed down last year. Uh, so we sprung it on me. I have to find a bottle in the shed. It, all right, yeah. Yeah, I'll find the name. So. I think you're right. I think it is that port kind of weather, isn't it, at the moment? So I just thought, again, um, maybe stuff... I've actually been doing a bit of reading about whiskey this week, and I put a couple of podcasts, and I, I quite like my whiskey as well, and I've been learning about the malt riots this week, uh, which happened in 1700-something, which led to um, whiskey be really becoming kind of a massive thing. And then another podcast was about Johnny Walker, which is... Actually, it was quite interesting, actually. I didn't know all the different labels. And the, apparently, he was a grocer um, out on the uh, west coast of Scotland and then got into whiskey blending. So uh, we might come back to the whiskey at some point. Uh, oh, yeah, bit, that'd be great. Yeah, a bit of news then. Just, uh, again, and this is many from that on the camera um, papers and magazine this week. Um, Timothy Taylor's apparently asked ceasing cask beer production at the moment because, obviously, the way they are in the pandemic, which sounds a little bit of a shame. And 
maybe well for the kick up again. They're going to carry on, obviously, bottling and canning. Um, and then uh, again, not surprisingly, really, uh, a couple of breweries, Molson Cause, a closing of the Burtonwood Brewery in Warrington, which I think has had it's been there for quite a while. But I, you know, I think Green or Whitling people may have been there. Um, but apparently, Thomas Hardy um, save uh, sorry share that site. Apparently, they're going to stay on because there's a bottling plant there as well. And then just been looking at the camera. I, I wasn't aware actually. Camera have a public transport support group as well, and actually they're offering twenty percent discount on National Express. So again, we're going to talk a little bit about planning next week. So that's, I, I, I'd come across that. So that's something that's quite useful, really, that I learned this week. And we've just been talking now. Aldi are in the press today. Um, I think it's a very good bit of advertising really for Aldi. Aldi's the claim in the press is I'm looking at the Manchester Echo here. That's very Manchester Evening News is Aldi is selling beer at 99p that should have gone to the pubs. Um, but there's quite a quite a broad range actually of um, Spitfire, uh, Hold Hooky. Uh, Shelby from Thornbridge, Snake Oil from West Berkshire. So, again, perhaps you, if you're heading towards Aldi, maybe have a look at that as well. Anything well, you not, guys have learned this not week? Not allowed to. No Aldi in Moulton. No Aldi in Moulton. Got a little. <laughs> oh, plenty in York, plenty in Stoke. Anything you guys have picked up this week? Any news or think something you've learned? Well, no, so to, to Martin, he cashed in all his uh, Weatherspoon uh, shares and collected a small fortune, hasn't he? That was a bit ominous, I thought, really. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess you know they're a, they're a big company, but I guess they have to really. They're you know they're they're um, business model is buy cheap, sell cheap, and, and sell lots of it. And I guess they are really stuffed, aren't they, in terms of kind of where they are. I mean, I'm not aware of them doing anything like takeaways or or food yeah. takeaways. I think they've pretty much closed. I certainly ones around us have completely closed down. So you you do think about you know okay, staff may be furloughed, but the cost, the ongoing costs. I mean, you think about a lot of those pubs are in fairly prime locations, aren't they? We'll have high rents and things. Uh, they sold, uh, sold 4.3 million order of shares at a price £11.50, netting him £50 million and reducing his company stake to 21.88%. So I suppose his influence is going to decline a bit now, isn't it, really? I wonder if it'll make any difference in... Bearing in mind there'll be social distancing and the sort of yeah. volume of the, the margins might be a huge change the way that company operates, mightn't there? He may well be setting up a whole chain of pubs in France, French and Belgium, one like quite a few of the other Brexit um, shouters who will seem to be setting up business now in Europe. Um, so watch his space, maybe. Nick, anything from yourself? Any, anything you've picked up? Anything you've, any news? Not, you've not really very news. No, you mentioned camera. Uh, there, uh, this month's magazine's a good read again. It's, uh, you know, I think if anybody is thinking about becoming a member of camera, I'd certainly promote it. Uh, you get some interesting reading. You know, they do a lot of campaigning. Certainly, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about Victorian pubs, interiors and things like that uh, a little bit later on this evening. And, uh, you know, certainly they've got uh, a professional group together now that can really lobby and, and make sure that these uh, unscrupulous uh, property developers who go in and knock pubs down overnight. In fact, I think there's a case in, in London where they're actually making the property developer rebuild the pub brick by brick. That's because right, they, that, yeah. uh, they, they, they clamped straight down on it and, and, and got the agreement of the courts. And as I say, the literature, the, the beer magazine, never found much in the What's Brewing newspaper, but uh, I said the beer mag is, is, is good. And then obviously, just been talking about Tim Martin, you know, you get the price of your membership back in vouchers and they've extended the voucher scheme now, so it's not just Weatherspoons. There's three or four other pub companies there that will accept the 50p off uh, vouchers. Once again, unfortunately, not many of those pub groups are operating in Yorkshire or North Yorkshire. But uh, I've managed to spend most of mine during the course of the year when I uh, 
dropping yeah. to where the spoons are there everywhere. There's been quite a bit to be date about that. Again, again, let's go on about camera. Their, their podcast, actually, Pubs Pint People, is a really great, if you've listened to their, there's quite a few episodes, uh, series now. They're really good. And I think last time I listened to them, there's been a bit of debate about the um, weather spoons, vouchers, and weather camera. Um, you know, whether that relationship at partnership may be changing and whether cameras should be promoting uh, Tim Martin. I mean, you know, yeah, you do get a good range of relay in Tim Martin's pubs, but again, I'm not quite sure that he's, I think he may be set out with that in mind. I think now it's a very commercial model. I think it'd be interesting that just what you thought, what you mentioned there, whether there'll be a uh, quite a lot of um, groups, community groups, maybe looking at putting on those orders on, on pubs that, again, maybe now under threat being closed especially a lot of those wet pubs that you know just haven't been able to do anything um pretty much all this year you know some of those ones we'll talk about some of those old little traditional quiet boozers um you do wonder whether you know locals will be trying to get those orders out so that they can't be turned into flats and retail units we might get a few more community room pubs like we've got the uh, yeah. here in yeah. york back yeah. successfully and instead of these wet pubs now it's hard to see a way yeah. back i mean the, the debts are accruing must be getting colossal but it might be rather we see them close. There will be uh, yeah. red pubs. So, actually, Thank Golden Balls, just remind me, Bruce, we've got a couple of just things catch up last week. We, we all had a bit of a kind of brain freeze last week, and we kept talking about um, a pub that we frequent in Malton called the Blue Ball. So, again, those of you <coughs> on, the, on, the, on the YouTube thing, you might have just put a few pictures up here of the uh, uh, the Blue Ball, which is a cracking little pub in Malton, quite an old pub, um, and a fantastic interior, the, the Fitzwilliam Room, which is on the right, if you, see, if you can see the screen. Uh, a really nice little snug room, and the bar is minute. So, and apparently, it's still it's, it's still knocking on, it's still doing really well, and hopefully, we'll be reopened again. Um, so, again, we just just to confirm that's the Blue Ball in Malton, and then the other one we kind of got the name kind of right was the Golden Gate, sorry, the Garden Gate, which is in Hunslet in Leeds, which we mentioned last week. Um, it's one of those uh, uh, preservation heritage pubs. Um, again, if you can see the screen, it, it, there's a right hand side there. So, just mention that we are now getting putting this podcast out onto YouTube as well. So, we are going to do a, a, a kind of a visual version. Um, obviously, the talk will be the same. Um, so, again, perhaps either if you're not, if you're listening to podcasts, perhaps at some point, if you can, if you want to have a quick look at YouTube, you'll see some of the pictures we're talking about. I'm hoping to kind of remind us what we should be talking about. And obviously, you'll, you'll see our lovely faces as well. So, I think without further ado, oh no, Nick, you you kind of just raised thing we didn't talk about last week, wasn't it? Was something about what's the perfect number? What's the, uh, in terms of colleagues on beer trips? Do you want to just chip in with that? Yeah, that's 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 right. It's you know it's number. I mean, we call it beer trip, not a pub crawl. Uh, obviously, the title pub crawl has got negative uh, connotation. Uh, tons to it so just ideal numbers really i mean i i would proffer anywhere sort of between maximum of four to five uh less than three you know you need to know the other person pretty well to be honest with you but there's a number of practicalities as well involved i mean we tend to run with a kitty now you two guys had decided last week that eight pints is about normal for a for a beer trip so you know if there's two or three of you then you pretty much share the day out equally. If there's four or five, then whoever's putting the kitty last probably only buys one round. Um, so there's, there's kitty to consider, uh, even practical things like seating. I mean, once again, we're going to be talking about Victorian interiors. You know, one classic Victorian interior is, is the small rooms. It's the screens, you know, it's, it's areas where you can only maybe squeeze three or four people in comfortably. So if you've got more than four or five of you, then you start to get a bit more spread out. And also I think, when you're going to places, real ale pubs and that, you don't want to appear to be too in intimidating. Uh, you know, if a great gang of six, seven, eight of you rock up, then 
you know, even though, um, you know, you can be the, the mildest man, yeah. you know, best people in the world, it, it can be a bit in, intimidating for the locals and for the bar staff, thinking, oh, God, we've got a, a group of a blokes here, like, you know, and especially when we've had a few, uh, we're in good spirits, you know. Um, so I, I would proffer maximum of five, sort of three or four is more the ideal number. I don't know about you two. Yeah, yeah you're right. unfortunately, such is the way people behave, especially on the weekend now. And you know, we talked about the Staley Bridge trip last week, didn't we? Where we were doing that years ago, and now it's just turned into a sort of a, a day long drunk uh, excuse for people to go on like a mad drunken orgy. And I'm also that little train line, the place people avoid now, isn't it? Which is t- terrible, really. Yeah, so sadly, it's yeah, and I guess I numbers bring suspicion, don't they? Yeah, and I think you know, certainly in places like York and Liverpool on a Saturday afternoon, most, most quite a lot of the certainly those in the main drag have got security bounced on the doors, and they probably wouldn't let you in in more than groups three and four, would they? So you go yeah. this I think we also said last week one of the Ben, one of the beauties of doing this is you, you go into a little pub and you you get a chat into the kind of the old geezers who are in there, they've been there forever. And again, I think Nick's right. I think when you're in a bigger group, you tend to kind of almost be a bit more cliquey that you talk, you know, That's you keep right. the group. I think when there's two or three of you, it seems to be easier then to take have conversations with people at the next table or. Um, when you're at the bar, so I think that's that's uh, yeah, that's that's. But perhaps we we'll, might revisit that next week. When we talk about um, our planning and uh, kind of how you kind of get uh, get get everything kind of in your head about what you're going to do. So let's crack on with today's uh, uh, tonight's um, theory. So I've got I've just put a little picture of the bolt makers up there. We we mentioned that last week in Keithley, which is certainly one of the pubs that uh, certainly me, Bruce, and Nick used to go to frequently whenever we went out that way. It's really handy, actually. It's very close to the station, isn't it? Because, I, again, I was actually looking on their TripAdvisor page, and a lot of people were saying um, they weren't planning to go there, but they came out the station. It was a typical, horrible, wet Keithley day, and the first pub we saw was the Boltmakers. Um, they were waiting for the train to go to Howarth, which, again, a lot of people do, don't they? Or they're waiting for the steam train, because that's the other thing you yeah. there. So <laughs> not a steam train. Um, and they got in there and had, and had a great little time. And certainly, I can't remember, we've been there when it's been, uh, you know, a, a, a bad experience. So um, we might end up going back to the bottom makers after we've done our turn. So we mentioned that, obviously, George Orwell, I don't know, sometime in the 1920s or 30s, I think, wrote, uh, it wasn't actually in the book, it was a kind of a pamphlet or a, an essay that he wrote about this kind of mythical moon underwater. Um, this is the one that's in London, which is the weather supposed to actually been in here. I think, I think again, it's, it's not far from Holborn, I remember rightly. It's, uh, I think it's near the, um, is it the City York or the, what, the Sam Smith on the same road? Almost no, that's not, that's not the moon of the water. Oh, the Cheshire, that's... the Cheshire cheese is down. No, I'm, I'm saying, across yeah. the other side of the road, I think this is. I remember walking down there. Um, right. So, uh, whether 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 spoons pubs are moon of the water, is that one in Manchester? Is that a weather spoons as well? That's moon of the water there. In Camp- yeah, it is. Really. Yeah. So anyway, moon of the water at the top of Whitehall's closed down, hasn't it? Has it? I know quite a yeah. few. That was that, that was the um, most unweather spoony weather spoon pub. I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah but that was quite was a nice. Really sad, that stuff, Actually, yeah. been in, they did a good, good breakfast in there as well. There was a little beer garden at the back, wasn't it? That's right on the right hand side as you walk. The limited menu, but there was yeah. a vast choice of beers on. Yeah. Really well, and say, did it feel like a weather spoon? It's really sad that's done, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is uh, again on the screen. I'll perhaps read them out for those that listen to the podcast. Um, all will stipulated ten key points that his perfect pub should have. I think we mentioned last week that this actually was a town pub, um, and again, I think he focused on London. Um, apparently, somewhere there is a uh, again. I don't think it's been published, but he also did a similar thing for a, a country pub which again, would be great perhaps to pick that up and say, I've never come across that. So he talks about architecture. He talks about games. He talks about 
um, the uh, the pub environment. He talks about the barmaid. He talks about what the pub sells apart from beer and spirits. He talks about food. He talks about the uh, glassware, the bottles and the cans and things that you took cans. Sorry, that's wrong in it. The uh, the drinking vessels he calls them. And then at the end, he just talks a little bit about he thinks the perfect pub has got uh, narrow passages and a beer garden. So we covered a little bit of that last week in our kind of general philosophy about. Uh, you know what 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 we like what we enjoy about pubs and beer and culture so we thought we'd just go through each of these and maybe think about places that we visited and i said the kind of grand scheme is to kind of how we might use these to plan that perfect trip uh, once we're all allowed out again so we're going to go through them a uh, bit by bit if i read them out and then you can all hear them and then uh, Bruce and Nicole chip in, we kind of where we are. So, Orwell, first point said the architecture and fittings must be uncompromisingly Victorian. So, again, for those that can see the screen, we've just got a picture of the Princess Louise uh, in Holborn in London, which is a Sam Smith's pub. I think we mentioned that last week, actually, with a fantastic interior. I think actually a lot of it is is has been remodeled. It's, I don't think a lot of it's original from what I read. No, it has a Princess Louise, it is. It's all, it's all. What I call pseudo last last yeah. week, but it's 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 decently done pseudo. But if you've ever been um, in there, it's got these booths, hasn't it, all the way kind of down the bar, kind of glass screen, so you kind of yeah. Which is that's that's your up. typical. I mean, to be honest with you, the vast majority of Victorian pubs that were created in the Victorian times have all been remodelled. Yeah. Even yeah. though the Edwardian period was only ten years, there was a hell of a lot of refurbishing and rebuilding going on in that period. Now, some were still modelled on Victorian style pubs. Um, but obviously, you know, the, the original Victorian pub really came out of the gym palaces. Yeah. And in the big cities and the big towns, it was the landlord trying to show his good taste and his, his affluency. And that's why from gym palace, you then became palaces for beer. Um, so your typical style, if you walk into a pub, you see lots of mahogany, lots of etched glass, lots of brass, uh, textured ceilings, textured wallpaper. You know, it's Victorian but whether it's real Victorian, as in going back to 1850s to 1900s, or whether it's Victorian pseudo that's been put in any time from sort of 1920 onwards, it's difficult <laughs> to tell sometimes. Because um, Victorian Durham is, is preserved, isn't it? It's not absolutely, and that's, that's, been that's, preserved, that's, that's the end, Bruce. Yeah, that's, that's very much utility. It's not, um, you know, velour on leather, um, it's, but it's, it's the small rooms, which is the other thing that Victorians liked. You know, within a pub, they still like to have a hierarchy and they still like to have, like to have oh. social classes. So, oh, yeah, yeah, your tap rooms, your smoke rooms, your parlours, um, you know, uh, that's that's something the Victorians were still still keen to do. So, once again, that's a good indication. If you're going to what feels to be an old traditional pub and it's got lots of different rooms, then it's a good chance it was originally built uh, Victorian times, really. Yeah. And then the other image we've got there is the Philharmonic in uh, Liverpool, which I think is probably does retain quite a lot of its original oh, characteristics. Yeah. Um, built in the, I think, eight, about 1890s, late 1890s. I think it was a Keynes um, uh, pub initially. Um, and obviously it's got lots of infamous because Paul McCartney and John Lennon drank there. And I think recently, you know, um, uh, Paul McCartney did an impromptu uh, uh, concert dinner and things as well. Uh, it's a great place. It's in between the two cathedrals. It's right across from the Philharmonic Hall. So um, a great, a great little pub there. And but it, last week they're perhaps it, a little bit demised now. It has done well to survive, to be honest with you, because obviously it's not really on a on a on a trail or on a crawl, is it? Mm. It is sort of out on a limb, unless you go in the cathedrals, or unless, unless you go into the yeah. Uh, although all the all the buzzes, all those open top buzzes, stop right outside the door. That's certainly the last time I've been. I've, I jumped on a buzz and went that way. And of course, I've got a picture there of the, of the very famous gents' toilets. 
which have yeah. very ornate tiling in them as well. So well worth a visit. Uh, so we mentioned last week that the beer may be not quite as good as it used to be, and it's a Nicholson's house. So there's always a good variety, though. And again, if you do get that Nicholson's app, you can normally end up having a couple of uh, free pints or, or a free bowl of chips, something which is quite good as well. Any other thoughts about, we, we, I think, obviously, we've been blessed because certainly the places where we often went, uh, you know, places like Leeds and York have got many kind of Victor Manchester, many Victorian yeah. style pubs, haven't they? And, and, and obviously industrial, you know, uh, giants in, in, the, in that Victorian period. Shall I, shall I run through a few of the ones that I remember? Yeah. Right, so let's let's start close to let's start in Malton. We've mentioned Blue Bell, uh, Blue Ball, should I say? I mean, Blue Ball actually goes back before Victorian times, but I think the best example still in town, uh, certain rooms, is the Spotty Cow. Um, I mean, once again, because we've always had Tetley's in Yorkshire, Tetley's made the job a little bit easy because they went around in the late 1980s, 19, early 1990s, uh, identifying their Tetley's house, heritage houses and putting blue plaques on them. So we've got the spotty cow in, in Moulton that is Victorian inside, but we're looking at the front bar, the little snub there, that once again was always a favourite place that we went into. So it's you could classically be in very utility, uh, bench seating, uh, basic stools and tables with a fire in there. Uh, it is nice because they've got a local brewery etched mirror over the fireplace, which is, I think it's, uh, is it Ro- Rose's, Rose's? Yeah, it's Rose's, isn't mirror. it? Yeah. 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 And oh. the, the, setup of, the setup of the bar as well. Um, it's not an island bar, but obviously it's got two serving counters um, and then you've got three three areas, three rooms. Uh, but I mean, when it was first built, there would have been, there was more rooms, even though it's hard to believe they actually opened up. Um, as you walk through to the back, that room there would have been two separate rooms as well. So I think I think in Moulton, the, the, the spotty cow is, is the nearest we've still got to a, to a Victorian so- material, though. Just, Sadly, that uh, at the moment. just what I think on um, again. I'm conscious that you know people will be listening to this all over the place. Obviously, the the, the clues in the name where we said last week that we're all from Malton originally. Uh, Malton's a, a small market town in uh, North Yorkshire. It's about halfway between York and Scarborough, so many of you will probably have either passed through it or around it uh, on the bypass. Um, it's a great little town. Um, it's we re. re- Invented himself as a little bit of a food centre now, and we have a great uh, food festival. And we mentioned last week we've got a long heritage in in uh, brewing as well. Um, so well worth if you're up that end, that, that bit of the woods. Um, so the spot is cow is in the marketplace. Again, a little bit out of the kind of main town centre, but you know, great of a Malton is if you get there on the train or bus or car, everything's very walkable. So certainly worth looking out for that one. So go on then. What's your next one, Nick? Well, that, that's really covering Malton. So then we'll move to York, which is probably Bruce's forty anyway. But I'd, I'd got uh, I've got the Phoenix, the Wellington. Yeah, the Phoenix got the Brass Town. Yeah, the Wellington's quite utilitarian pub, but certainly takes Victorian town, doesn't it? Of yeah. course, the thing about this is I think that um, to our well, the perfect pub's Victorian because he was born <laughs> in the Edwardian era. Yeah, yeah. Holocaust, so some stunning Edwardian era pubs, but to him they'd be. Just everyday like craft, like, like brew dog, like brew dog bars. <laughs> exactly, and now of course in York we've got the, the Blue Bell, which is probably you know one of the finest preserved Edwardian pubs in the country. Mm. People absolutely love it, but of course to oh well, that would just be yeah. the everyday common as mm. pub, wouldn't it? Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So kind Good of point. bizarre, really. Yeah, yeah. but it, it wasn't always the outside as well. I mean, uh, sorry, the inside. You know, they the, the made efforts on the outside. I mean. Your local, Bruce, you know, that's a classic Victorian pub. Once again, it was emacked as a Tetley's Heritage pub. It's now owned by, um, it was it owned by Otley Brewery? Austin and Punch jointly, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Come on, then, Nick, move us on. Is, is, is it Fox? 
Uh, well, once again, we talked about camera. Camera were nearly successful in saving an iconic pub in York. And anybody who uh, follows camera, they will know of this name. It's the John Bull. Oh, yeah. And the, the John Bull is, is the first real ale pub that I knew that I went in in York. Um, I mean, once again, you two guys have been going in there before I did. So you can probably tell us a bit more about the John Bull than I can even do. But uh, I mean, it was just absolutely stunning, wasn't it? It was like stepping back into a, a stepping back in time. It was too. It was so dark all the day. In the day, like <laughs> the newspaper, could it? I, I uh, I'd said it's probably a mucky old doll. And I mean, my grandma said it's a mucky old doll. That I think it was that dark because you could see all the bloody muck and dust because it would. It looked always like an idiot clean. So again, quite a small <laughs> bar, wasn't it? Quite a small bar in that main. <laughs> it was, yeah. But, but good beer, and again, I think often it was a, a good, a, a real mix of people. Quite a few students, all the all the guys and things. So, it was yeah, just no, tragic. Yeah. It was demolished to make way for a hard stand for a couple of Mazda cars. That's right. Yeah, I the mean, guy next door didn't he sold it. The the car ownership wanted, wanted the, more car parking. Yeah. I, fact, course, I, I remember. I remember two stories. I remember the story that you remember Mike that used to go in Sudbury's Bruce. Big Mike yeah. loved his traction engines. He used to all pout in there, and he he said the most popular beer was at the end of the night when they emptied all the part drunk pint pots into a bucket. And then put it back into a barrel, and it was called the Landlord Special. <laughs> and anybody, anybody who didn't know that, because obviously it was all wooden cast in those days, it was easy enough to reintroduce it in. And then I remember, in fact, one of the last times that me and you went in, we were sat near the bar, and then there was some sort of family reunion co coming, and there was like two or three people came in, and they sat on a table and on a bench, and then a couple more came in, and we kept moving for them so they could actually all sit together. And it ended up that we actually moved right the way around the pub. And it ended up that I ended up being pushed off the seating into the doorway <laughs> because we'd literally moved from the bar all the way around the edge of the pub into where the doorway was. And at that point, yeah. I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't as um, willing to, uh, to give up a seat anymore. Um, but no, I, it was always one of those pubs as well that when we'd been anywhere else, trying to remember exactly where it was, because once again, it was a walk out of the city. It was sort of isolated on its own, really. There's no other pub near it. It certainly, in fact, it was outside the walls, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's some yeah. interesting articles on the internet, actually. If you just uh, put uh, John Bull Pub York in, uh, there's the Evening Press articles there. Uh, uh, well, it's 20th anniversary, it was demolished. And I mean, they really evoked the spirit of it so well. I mean, that you said, it was just uh, well, wholly needless and cruelly barbaric. Uh, yeah. There's no evidence that was ever there now. It's a great article, though, and I say. Now we'll cough because the assets of community value wouldn't be allowed That's to happen. That's right, yeah. Anymore. Yeah, it's no, like... I said Cam, camera tried to do that and they were they were very, very close to getting it saved, but just didn't quite manage that it. Was very early days, wasn't it? it was in the early days, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, so let's move on to Leeds. We had a talk about Leeds last week. Um obviously you mentioned White Locks. I mean, that is a classic example of a Victorian uh pub palace with its uh etched glass, its 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 screening, its uh, its ceramic bars. Uh, tiles on the floor as well. Um, the Adelphi, which once again was just around the corner from it looked mm. upon as Tetley's Tetley's Tap at one point. Uh, quite, quite, quite like the the um, Adelphi in um, the Philharmonic in Liverpool, in that it had its separate rooms, uh, its dining rooms and things like that, and glass screens. Um, so, don't know if you guys have got any comments about that one. 
No, I, I think it's an underrated pub. I've mentioned last week. I always I love going there. Again, it's a bit of a walk out of the, of the city centre, but I, I've always really enjoyed it. It's always been it's always pretty rammed. I mean, I know it's I don't know when the universities are quite away from there, but it always seems to be rammed with, with young you know student type people. Yeah, um, and I think you. But I guess the beauty of that one is you, you've got those passages by the bar, and we always I think ended up. And again, that's got little kind of um, bar areas, haven't it? kind of little kiosk things on the bars. That I always yeah. can remember glass, glass on one yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but if yeah. you're listening to this and really want a, a jaw dropping open mouth experience of a pub in Leeds, you've got to go to Garden Gate. Yes, it is worth. But you yeah. really need to walk there. You'll yeah. you'll you'll get off the bus and think you're in the wrong place. <laughs> and then when you seek surroundings. I mean, it's just a miracle it survived in those planning days when they, were, when they were planning all those houses. It's a, it's a, it's a council just, Yeah, it's kind of left all its own, isn't it? He didn't yeah. raise it and the houses pinned all around it and he just stands there yeah. like an island. And the thing is, it's absolutely astonishing inside. That'd be cracking. That'd be great to have that as a local, wouldn't it? You know, that a couple of streets yeah, away would be yeah. ideal, wouldn't it? And the beer's pretty good. It's, uh, I think that there is that yeah. Leeds Brewery. Really? I quite like Leeds Brewery. Yeah, good some beers. Only forgot well, the fight yet. It, it, it was those guys that actually saved it because at, at the very end it was going to be closed and, and, and not so much knocked down but redeveloped and it was Leeds Brewery. They almost bought it as a lost leader. They said, look, you know, we don't see that it's going to be a big success for us, but uh, it's got to be saved, it's got to be preserved, which is those are the sort of breweries that you want to support. I mean, as far as I know, the two lads who went to university in Leeds and then had a passion for beer and uh, made a business out and they've been very successful, uh, but fair play to them. You know, they didn't put money first. They said, look, you know, this is this is a pub that needs saving. And even if we yeah. can only break even with it, you know, that's what we'll endeavour to do because it's it's such a unique pub and, and fair play to them two guys. Right, cool. Then let's hurry on because we, we're not doing Lord of the Rings trilogy. We've, we've, yeah, OK. We've well, once again, time, Leeds, so. uh, <laughs> any, We're still on number one, by the way, out of ten. Any any Sam Smith pubs in Leeds, we'll go for that. Go on, uh, give us one more bit further afield then. All right, Sheffield. Yeah. Me and Bruce, it was our last outing, actually, wasn't it, Bruce? Was oh, it yeah. last year? Uh, not yeah. last year, year before, in fact. Uh, so the Grapes. The Grapes, I'm going to say, that's the, fantastic. That's the Irish pub now, isn't it, the Grapes? Yeah, yeah. It, the locals call it Flynn's, I think. Um, yeah. Cracking, uh, once again. Central Corridor, uh, ceramic tiled. Uh, I think that was, um, I can't remember, where, that was one of the, the Sheffield, Sheffield breweries, but it wasn't one of the, the, the better known ones. Um, where else have we got? Uh, White Lion on London Road, where I used to go as a student. Um, Sam Smith's yeah, pub's like a, a classic two-room boozer that should belong out in the, the, the stick somewhere, yet somehow it's right there next to Crucible Square, isn't it? That's fantastic. And then Sheffield Tap, that's that, that's got to be Victorian because it's part yeah, of the railway, exactly. and that's got a fantastic interior, hasn't it, as well? Uh, well yeah, pseudo-Edwardian, but starring yeah. on Victorian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fat, Cat, Fat Cat is Victorian. Yeah. Which once again, you know, it was it was a magnet. I mean, I was in in Sheffield, what eighty? Oh no, ninety one, ninety two. I was a student there, and I remember two Danish exchange students came over one year, and they were like Vikings. They were six foot odd, and I said, right, I'll take you for some real ale, and took them down there, Kellam Island. That time, it was still all just warehouses, and the fat cat really was in the middle of nowhere, and they were a bit afraid. They were saying, Nick, Nick, is it safe down here? I said, yeah, yeah, it's safe. Anyway, we got there. And uh, we went in the little upstairs room and I had them drinking uh, Thixton's or Peculiar because they reckoned they were drinkers. Anyway, after a few pints of that, they realised that uh, Yorkshire beer was quite strong compared to the Danish <laughs> lager. Uh, but yeah, the Fat Cat was a classic. I mean, now Sheffield, all down there, you can have a day crawl around Kellen Island area, no problem at all. Um, you know, it, it's a bit like shoe shops and banks on the high street. You sort of, you know, once one's got established, they then start to attract other ones and, 
even pubs that were run down have now been uh, turned around, rejuvenated into into real ale pubs. So okay. uh, yeah, anybody heading to Sheffield, head down towards Kellam Island uh, when you won't go far wrong. Yeah, and I think you know we've been. I think that may be one of our first trips when we're kind of pre-locked down. Really keen. I, we, I think I've been. In, it's been a year since I think me and you went like a few years ago, and it's yeah. not bad because it's kind of it's equidistant for us because I'm I'm down in Staffordshire, and but I've just been reading quite a lot about the cutlery works, and there's quite a good vibrant scene. It sounds like in Sheffield, lots of kind of uh, street food places, you know, quite a few new breweries, like you say, Kellam Island now, Rail around there, it's going to be a be a mecca. So I think that that sounds. Like, so I think what we're saying is um, Victorian. We mentioned last week we quite like a bit of culture and a bit of history. So I think we certainly want a couple of Victorian type, or as Bruce said, Edwardian. Um, but I think we're quite eclectic. So I think as long as we kind of ticked a couple of those off, um, you know, we, we mentioned last week, we're, we're just as, as happy now going to a micro bar or a micro brewery or, <laughs> or some, you know, uh, and even sometimes in, we've even been one or two very posh hotels because they've, they've had a good bar in there or we've heard there's a good beer on. So uh, so I think in terms of us, I think we'd agree a little bit with uh, uh, George Orwell, but I think Bruce was right. Probably we're equally as happy being an Edwardian um, or, or playboy, or sometimes even older. Some of those really old, especially again back in York and almost bloody medieval pubs as well. Let's move on right, to number yeah. two. Yeah. So number two, games such as darts are only played in the public bar, so that in other bars you can walk about without the worry of flying darts. I know that we've been, we've never really been kind of big, pool, you know, pub games played. No, I mentioned last week about me and Bruce used to go to a pub in Western where if you played pool, you'd get half a cider when you were 13, 14. Um, <laughs> But I, I don't know, really. I, I mean, I guess for many pubs, certainly in the villages and in, and in some of the towns like we're from, the darts team, the pool team are, are quite important and that they do yes. take the pub over in the midweek when it's quiet, don't they? That's right. The revenue they bring in are quite nice and valuable. Like in our local pub, the Sam Smith's Crystal Palace, their dominoes teams there on a the Monday night. Without them, it'd be empty. Having said that, there's nothing worse than seeing what would have been a nice... Uh, room in a pub uh, with the pool table plonked in the middle of it because it just dominates the room. Yeah. And, uh, that's a real bugbear. You see less of that now, don't you? Don't, I mean, I think you, you do, I mean, yeah. certainly a lot of the kind of re pubs you talk about, and it's interesting that um, places like Weatherspoons don't tend to do that, do they? I mean, they've got free yeah. machines, but they don't tend to have things like that as well. I mean, byline, I'm a bit of a sports historian, and, you know, it's also interesting that obviously when a lot of the coaching ins, when they... Uh, obviously stopped having to house horses and things and have fields. Often that's where football teams and rugby teams, again, got linked to the pub because the landlord had lots of space. He had a field often where the horses would have gone for the coaches. He had stables that were great for changing rooms. So there's another really strong... Um, and certainly, you know, when I was when I was younger, playing football and cricket locally, uh, again, often the pub was the centre of that as well. You got, you know, I, I've got changed in pubs. I played rugby league. I've actually got changed in pub cellars to go and play, <laughs> play like West Yorkshire. So there's all that as well. So I think we probably would. We probably would probably steer towards a pub that wouldn't. We wouldn't want. I think we've had the odd game of pool when we've been out on a trip, but that's probably yeah. about as far as it's gone, really. I, I I can't think the last time I walked into a pub and saw a dartboard actually being used because yeah. once again. If if the pub's got a dartboard, it's occupying an area where they would prefer to have people drinking and eating. Yeah. Certainly during the day and even on an evening, unless it is dart scene, which tends to be Monday, Tuesday nights, because they're traditionally the nights that the pub is the quietest anyway. Yeah. I know the pool league around Moulton, you know, when I played in the pool league, it was always on a Monday night because that was the quietest night and that was the night that the landlords wanted wanted people in drinking. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that was, you know, they put free food on. Um so I say I can't, I can't think of any 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 pub where I've walked in recently, and I've I've had a game of arrows. Yet I can remember when I was 18, 19, 20, 
it wouldn't be untoward to go to the bar and say, oh, you got the daps. Daps, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I suppose the one I was thinking about for us was probably more, more, of, a, more of a hindrance was dominoes. And obviously, they, they quite a lot of work I say, well, that's a massive sport. And don't you, <laughs> if you go in that bloody lounge when the domino blads are there, or you sit at a table that is a domino table, uh, yeah, yeah. you'd often get some little old bloke with his walking stick saying, you've got to move now, because that's our yeah. table. So I think that's probably more more of a, a hindrance these days. Just forget about darts. It's the it's the domino players. I, I was it was interesting watching that uh, Tom Kerridge thing on the on the telly about pubs the, the other month about um, that pub in London, the kind of uh, the West Indian pub, where again that was the problem with the domino players who would come in buy half a pint and then sit there four hours. <laughs> Poor landlady was so de- you know she really wanted to make the pub and make a go, but the old Mount Royal Oak used to be definitely like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right, let's move on. So it's that's not. Uh, I think we'd agree with the second part. We don't want darts, flying adders, or whatever else. And I guess same with all those fruit machines blipping and blapping as well in the in the corner. Uh, so number three, I'll put these two together really because I thought they're a little bit linked and really a bit. Um, the pub is a quite enough quite enough to have a talk without the house possessing neither a radio or a piano. And linked to that, the barmaids know the customers by their name and take an interest in everyone. So again, I put a couple of our photos up there. So there's a very nice picture of me there in the Duke of York in Whitby. Um, <laughs> looking well, I'm actually looking at my phone when I should be looking out the window at that lovely view of the harbour. Yeah, with a very nice dead. and a very nice pine tip. I think probably an ilkley beer there. Um, the Duke of York, I don't think that's got a jukebox or anything in it, has it? I can't think of one. I've never heard music in there, maybe uh, in, in the background sometimes, yeah. yeah, especially in that in that room, which I sort of call the lounge area. You have a speaker in that corner there, just above your head, and um, yeah. yeah, it can not pump out music, but sometimes it can be a little bit. Mm, yeah, and in fact, for me, that was the last pub. I, that's the last pub I've been in, and that was back in October. That's the last pub I have physically set foot in since October. We went for half term, had a nice little week, just just in a little cottage down by the harbour, and that was our that was our next door but one. Um, and yeah, that's the last time I went to a pub because obviously soon after that, in our in our neck of the woods, we went into lockdown and haven't come out. And then the picture below is just a picture of the little bar, the back bar, or sort of the side bar, I guess it is, what is in the New Malton, which the, again the is main bar. the main bar uh, in New Malton, which uh, again is a uh, well, it was the whip in Bruce, wasn't it, when we were kids and we used to go there for it was, a, it was. A, a frothy cappuccino, um, but was taken over by uh, a young couple not so long ago, and they've made it into I think, a really nice little gastro pub. But they have, they always have a couple of well two, three they normally have three beers on don't they tend to have three or beers uh, often very Yorkshire and it's nice in there because I think obviously Nick you're a bit of a regular in there uh, and well also, I class class that as my local now if I'm yeah. going out for a pint of beer a pint of real ale then uh, I'd, I'd go in there yeah and certainly Gemma the landlady or the, the owner she she's very friendly and will always takes an interest in you what you've been doing and. Um, yeah. So that's, that's that's to me. I've got any thoughts from your pair of you about? Well, you raised a good point last week when you talked about the uh, murmur in the pub, and you know that was a real good mm. point. There is that comforting uh, din, is it there really? And say those conversations going on, or moulded into one. It's a really comforting sound, isn't it? And it is a funny thing because, of course, we're talking about the, these uh, rules of our worlds now, and of course, the pub owner who aspires to all he follow these rules is currently a Humphrey Smith and of course uh, we're very familiar with these yeah. pubs and of course mobile pubs and devices are banned and it's interesting so I know uh, before uh, Christmas last year um, before lockdown Christmas <laughs> myself and uh, Nicky's girlfriend two friends of mine we were in the uh, Wellington in York on the, I think probably the last Saturday before Christmas it was really busy and it was great because you know there were a lot of students there before they went home and actually it goes to show you know there was that murmur amongst all the small rooms Pub was packed. 
that nobody cast because you're not allowed to. I was looking at a film. Yeah. And it was really great to see. Possibly people should, you know, more people should do that really because undoubtedly the phones and people, the social media and things stuff, it's distracting the public experience really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm aware that some people are furious about going to Sam Smith's pubs and just really can't deal with it at all. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to think. I, I, equally, I, I, I think there's quite a lot of South Smiths that have, 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 have any atmosphere in them. I mean, the one that mm. I probably go to most around there is the one is the Falcon in Chester, which is a great little pub, but mm. you don't often get that kind of... The moment I was thinking, you know, that your pub was, you know, Fox Cross the Road there, though it's a multi-room <laughs> pub, isn't it? With, what, three... three yeah, yeah. I guess, some, and I was thinking about that, sometimes hitting and missing it, you pick a room in a pub. And and there's often one pub that's a bit more lively. One pub tends to be more of a locals pub. Sorry, yeah, yeah. One, room, one room might be a bit more of a couples kind of place where they tend to mm. sit in couples. Um, but that was one I I thought about the Fox was, was a, as a nice pub. I think the Minster Inn in York as well. That's another pub that always seems to have a oh, good. Yeah. You know, you, I guess because the rooms are a bit smaller, so you can't bot hear other people's conversations really. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, Nick, anything from yourself? Are we move yeah, on? Yeah, I mean. The radio no piano, um, not so much radio, um, but, you know, I remember jukeboxes and a jukebox could be a draw, could be an attraction. If it had a, a classic range of, of, of classic tunes in there, I mean, I'm sure you two, if they'd been Lindisfarne in a jukebox anywhere, you would have been making a beeline for it. Um, <laughs> you don't seem to see jukeboxes anymore no. now. No, you, you know. Don't, yeah. And yet, at one point, they were sort of supposedly a moneymaker. Well, that's to do with PRS and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Uh, piano. I don't think I'd mind going in a pub and be a piano yeah, there. Yeah, some, as long yeah. as somebody could play it properly. I mean, yeah, certainly, yeah. mention the grapes in Sheffield. The only way I found that pub was because the Irish night, as a student, thought, oh, you know, I went out, uh, was, was, was mates with a lad who, who, who was Irish ancestry, and he said, oh, you know, I know of a, know a, a pub, but it's a bit off the beaten track because it, it, once again, it's not easy to find the grapes. It's city centre, but you've got to know where it is to find it. And they had an absolute cracking. I think that was a Monday or Tuesday night. You know, the, the main front room with the Houston, I still think they still have the Irish night. So I would have never found that pub without the Irish night going on. And, you know, it, it attracted some cracking musicians like so. Yeah. Music wise, yeah, live music, I, I don't mind. Um, Bruce, what about the Market Tavern in Leeds? Do you remember that one? Yeah, long gone, sadly. It was um, very popular with uh, deaf people, wasn't it? And so the joke to be deaf with an iron lung, I think, to go in there. No, we, no, we, we, we went in there one day and, and it, was, it was two rooms, the bar dividing the two rooms, and we looked through and the, the jukebox was, was as loud as anything. And it was full of old folks with like the shopping bags, <laughs> and they were all smiling and laughing and enjoying the sound. And the bar yeah. and said, "How the hell can they stand that music so loud?" And so it's it's the local uh, deaf club that they pick up on the vibrations, <laughs> like so. So the two I was thinking about about this one was a uh, Bruce. You remember this? The, the Golden Line in Malton, which again is a public uh, marketplace there. Uh, and if you remember, there used to be that little room on the right as you went they, in, and for some reason. They, They've got yeah. a massive jukebox on the wall in there. And I can remember us going on there probably Saturday lunchtimes yeah. uh, with Simo, our mate, who probably come on the bus from Westo, the one-day yeah. week bus game, and him just playing uh, that buddy, are you going to San Francisco on repeat and oh, repeat God, and repeat? Because yeah. he was going through a bit of a hippie phase. And then yeah, the yeah. other one I remember, which again, fondly remember really, back to Keithley, the cricketers in Keithley. I oh, always yeah. remember being sat in the bar there and they had radio, radio, one on. radio was it Radio 1, Radio 2, Dave Lee radio Travers, one, that snooker competition. Remember the snooker yeah. quiz? I what it was called now. 
Well, it's, yeah. it's, it was a, it was a general knowledge quiz that somebody phoned in, and it, and you played it like snooker, didn't you? So you picked yeah, Fuller, right. and you got two points, three points. I remember that being blaring, and I was just sat there right. mesmerised by Dave Lee <laughs> Travis's Saturday quiz. Um, yeah. That was uh, that there, man. Right. Let's move on. So I think what we no, said... Just, just, just before you move, now the Golden Lion, you said you used to go there Saturday. Yeah. You used to go there Saturday morning because for some strange licensing reason, that used to open about half 11. This is when the licensing Well, that's probably because the market was at the back, wasn't it? Mm. And that opened from... at half 11 and no other yeah. pub in town was either allowed to or ever did open before 12 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Can you remember that? Yeah, spotted cow was spotted even earlier, like didn't the spotted cow? It did from the Tuesday the Friday market there, eight o'clock or something in the morning, and the, and the back bar in the um, uh, the farmers bar in what's I'm thinking about? It's what's it called now? It's called Rory's well, Pub. That's right. Yeah. What was it used to be called? King's, 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 King's Head. King's yeah. The farmers yeah. bar there and license were the back there for the market guys. So yeah, I think it was on a Friday, Malton though. Uh, the pubs always could open all day on a Friday, couldn't they? You know, it's quite liberalised in Laws mm. Malton, didn't it, compared mm. to most places? Mm. Pubs, even since we were kids, didn't have to close on a Friday afternoon, did they? Yeah, no. And that was you So, I think we're summing up then. So, we, we'd like a Victorian pub. We'd probably like one couple that are quiet as well. We probably wouldn't stay very long. We want it's too noisy. And I guess we don't stay in these pubs for long enough. But it's always nice when the bar, bar staff, I think we should say now, um, take an interest on you and often ask you, you know, what you're doing. And, and those that are interested in beer often are quite, you know, we're great for giving a few, are you thinking about going to this place or, um, which is always good as well. So move on. Five and six. Five. Okay. It sells tobacco, cigarettes, aspirins and stamps. <laughs> and is obliging about letting you use a telephone. Again, it's very much of the era, isn't it? And I was yeah, trying absolutely. to think of pubs where we'd been and we'd bought other things. Um, there used to be quite a few pubs in Stoke that used to sell uh, Dutch tobacco behind the bar, but I perhaps not mentioned yeah. many days ago. Um, I've got a picture there. One of the pubs that, uh, again, I, well... Again, I think I think at the moment it's shut. It's the bad, unfortunately the, some some uh, issue about uh, being being open and closed. There's a little pub called the uh, Millbrook Inn down in uh, Devon, deepest Devon in Southpool. It's a fantastic little village. Again, quite a long way from civilization. Um, and there's no other shop or anything in the pub now. So they actually have a veg shed uh, on the side there. And again, we've we stopped them there a few times. It's actually been great. But I think I bought that cauliflower in the picture that if anybody can see. <laughs> Um, uh, which is great, it was a great idea, really. You know, and I know a lot of pubs during lockdown have done that as well. They've opened up community shops and you know, maybe been able to go and get to obviously being access to things like cash and carry, um, and bring in yeah. sense. And that's really helped, certainly, older people in some of those little more remote villages. So, I one over in Fulford doing that now and doing a raw, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned about some wet pubs not ever coming out of COVID, but I think certainly some of the village pubs it's actually given a new lease of life. You know, they have become even more of an asset than they were before. Yeah. And even down to, you know, maybe getting some people getting in there, not too much going for a drink, but at least getting used to the staff and then thinking, right, you know, they helped us out. I'll support them once they're back up and there's a pub sort of thing. So in certain respects, it might have done some of these little country pubs that were struggling uh, a lot of good, really. Yeah. Although, again, you know, I don't, we, you know, this that um, last summer we actually hired a pub down in Devon for uh, Daughters 21st and, um, that was a whole pub, a fantastic pub, 13th century uh, church house in a very a quite famous pub. Um, and the landlady there just given up, just said, I can't make any money. 
um, especially with lockdown. So it turned it into a, a self-catering. I mean, it was fantastic for us. Um, whether that'll continue, um, it's I mean, quite a bit of a shame, I guess, for some of the locals. There were quite a few people trying to get in while we were there. <laughs> we thought the pub was still open because everything I mean, was I, I, still there. I, I would say that I would say that was the easy way out, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, the, the, these, the landlords and the, the owners of these pubs that have really gone... You know, they've been working 24-7. They really have become an yeah, asset to give me the yeah. The blacksmiths at Swinton, they did that very early doors, you know, and they, yeah. they created a shop and they, they did everything there. And, and uh, you know, it's been successful and that's that's good for them. Okay, we talked about food a lot last week. And again, Orwell also mentions food. He talks about uh, his number six. There should be a snack counter where you can buy liver, sausage sandwiches, mussels, cheese pickles and large biscuits with caraway seeds. <laughs> And then he says, and upstairs, six days a week, you can get a good lunch. For example, a cut of the joint, two veg, and a boiled jam roll. Um, so I think we talked about white locks in Leeds last week, which used yeah, to be yeah. a very famous Yorkshire pudding meal. And I think we covered quite a bit of food last week. And we, we, we were quite honest and open and said food was quite often quite a part of our trip. And where we could, we'd try out some of those local delicacies. We, we chatted last week about um, black peas and uh, uh, black puddings in Bury and various other bits and pieces. So I think we'd probably both, we'd all agree. Well, I'll, 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 I'll just give you one. Um, my student days back in Sheffield here, my local then was uh, the Shakespeare uh, run by Dave and Norma, cracking landlord and landlady just off Healy. It was just off Richard's Road. And uh, I shared a house with a last from Southampton. So we used to go down to the Shakespeare and uh, they used to have a quiz night. And the uh, the food, obviously, when it's quiz night on, often the pub will give food away. The food there was uh, beef dripping bread fingers and lots uh... of black pudding. So for a, for a last from the South, she found that quite... Unique. She didn't have a clue what black pudding was until I said, well, I'll have a couple of pieces, if you like it, wash it down with your tetleys, and then I'll tell you what exactly is in it like. Uh, but no, that was proper South Yorkshire quiz food was that, yeah. Uh, beef dripping, bread fingers and, uh, and black pudding. I mean, the beef dripping is great because obviously it's salty, so it mm. actually made you drink more beer. It's like the old cinema trick where, if you know, showed a film about the desert, turned the heating up, and then people bought hot drinks and, uh, oh no, the other way around, what it, yeah, bought ice creams because that's so hot, it turned the heating up and... Uh, show a film about the Arctic and uh, make it freezing and people buy hot drinks. So, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about food. So that not not a full meal, but uh, as far as snacks were concerned, you can't get much better than uh, bread dripping fingers fingers and, and lumps of black pudding. Yeah, I was thinking that. We probably didn't always eat that substantial meal in pubs because obviously no. we, we want to have a few beers and move on, don't we? So I think you're right, probably snacking is part of it. Uh, I think sometimes you get the unexpected so often, so, you know, we've been in pubs where the landlord just bought out some bowls of chips and things and put them down for you. Um, and there's a couple of pubs around us that do sausage rolls on a Friday afternoon, which is, you know, really nice, really. Um, and again, quite a few now are doing kind of these sharing boards, you know, like pork pies and, and cheese platters. And I, I could see I can see that being quite appealing. Um, so I think in terms of the pub itself, we wouldn't probably necessarily go for the food. Uh, again, having a snack is probably something that, again, would be we could we might consider. And I think often we would do that in between kind of pub to pub. I think that's what we that was our kind of philosophy. Grab something to eat as you're going from one pub to another, so that you uh, maximise your drinking time. So we're on to number eight. Um, oh, I'll just put that one on. Yeah, this is the, uh, the Nick, you said this picture. This is the uh, tap, tap, isn't it, at Staveley, which is the Hawkshead Brewery uh, yeah. tap, which is a um, quite a modern building, actually, going back to we talked about Victorian. It's kind of an, an industrial unit, it's, but it's really yeah, nice, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's well yeah. laid out. And I, I was thinking that's some of the best food we've had. And they do that kind of, again, snacking platter, which I, we've always really enjoyed there. On, in, Call it English tapas, I would. I yeah. Suppose, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know? yeah. 
proper proper sausages and stuff like that. And Ooh. yeah, and a cracking range of beers on. So it gets a bit kind of weird now. Well, weird. I don't know. Uh, number eight, a creamy sort of draft stout, and it goes better in a pewter pot. And I guess, again, as Bruce was saying, that's probably a, a sign of the times, isn't it? When he was drinking in the 1920s and 30s, really, when um, porter and stout were probably, I guess, probably one of the most popular brews, especially in London. So that's where kind of the old idea of porter comes from, which I've learned on my beer course is all about the water. Um, the water in London and the water in Dublin is very similar. It's, it's very soft. And therefore, it's very good for uh, dark malts, and it creates that, that, that be, nice yeah. taste. Yeah, which is interesting. Which that's, why, right. that's why Fuller's London Pride is a darker beer. Yeah, and where Porter in London and, and and obviously Dublin Stout. Uh, although again, head I, on I think there was there's also somebody with governments again though, and taxes on barley and things. Which again, um, why Guinness suddenly went towards uh, black stout and the same in London. And then number nine, they are particularly they are they are particular about their drinking vessels at the moon underwater. And never, for example, make the mistake of serving a pint of beer in a handleless glass. Apart from glass and pewter mugs, they have some of those pleasant strawberry pink china ones. But in my opinion, beer tastes better out of a china, which again is interesting. I think we mentioned glasses last week, didn't we, a little bit, and about the jugs and the straight. I will totally disagree with that. I hate yeah. those pint pots that you get in the craft brewery places. You know, I just hate them. I, you know, Not for the handles. I mean, yeah. like a jug. Yeah. You get in a conservative oh, club or the golf club. I don't know. Yeah, I think some beers. I think Ruddles County or something like that sits quite well in one of those. In one of those jugged. You know, imagine. A, um, yeah. Uh, Wait, it's not a full pint either. It's not a full pint. I used to go once in another pub in Sheffield. We used to go in there and because the beer wasn't great, sometimes you used to have Guinness. The last behind the bar, um, she 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 used to say, "All right," because my mate was um, he had a disability, so he preferred to have a glass with a handle on it. And um, she said, well, I'll give you it in a straight glass and tip it in there because she says you'll see. She says, those pint pots, she says, it's not a full pint. You don't get a full pint in there. So. Yeah, I can't say how you can get away with that. They're not well, pint, aren't they? And it always looks mild, Nick. It must be getting up to your lungs. Yeah. It always looks mild, uh, isn't it? Th thickness of the glass, though, isn't it? I mean, the glass on those, those pint pots is very, very thick. But uh, it no, always... I always like it. I always like a branded glass. That's why I've got me Nick Stafford's one tonight. That to yeah. me a uh, nightmare with. It always intrigues me at these beer festivals, all these bloody horns. You've seen these drinking horns that they sell. It's, I've never oh, actually no. seen anybody drink it out of one. But oh, you can no. always, whatever pub beer festival you go to, there'll be some bloke with a bit like one of your Vikings, Nick from Denmark, in the corner with his long hair and his leather, leather waistcoat on, selling drinking horns. Uh, we've got Valhalla in York, and, Val yeah. and you have to pay twenty pound deposit if you want the drink drink out with the harm. Because the beer goes warm as well. That's yeah. Well, I was thinking, I mean, I've had a couple of beers at a pewter every here and there, and I think mainly when you go to one of these medieval nights. And I know it's, I suppose it's got a certain taste. I think the beer yeah. needs to be flat, and of course, what they say is the reason why they put it in pewter was you couldn't see you couldn't see what speed it right. was. In. And it was only when we had glass that we started to put in things like finings because people <laughs> realised how horrible and murky their beer looked. But hey, we've come full circle because you've got these New England IPAs. Guess what? You can't see through it. <laughs> and, and we all sniff it and think, that must be off. Well, it's, it's supposed yeah. to be like that, shouldn't it? This aging yeah. look. So, yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't think glassware would probably determine us from... Uh, from visiting a, a particular hostelry or not, uh, and, and working it through, really. We, I think we had a good chat about branded glasses last week as well, and 
Um, and again, I think we've, we've probably, I think certainly mine and Bruce's wives would say we've got far too many glasses. My, my, my missus yeah, always yeah. said, there's not a glass in that beer box that's come through the door. They <laughs> do have several ones. And then the yeah. final thing he talks about is this, you go through a narrow passage leading out of the saloon and find yourself in a fairly large garden. Many are the, are, are the virtues of Munda water. I think that the garden is its best feature because it allows whole families to go there instead of mum having to stay at home and mind the baby while dad goes out alone, which I think is very forward thinking for all one of the 90s. Absolutely, yeah. You know, but I, um, I, I, I think it's completely contradictory because the very nature of a Victorian pub, very, 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 very few Victorian pubs actually had beer gardens. Didn't exist. So I can't see how he's going to find a Victorian interior of a pub with a beer garden. Yeah, and, I, and I was trying to think actually that there are. I was trying to think of a pub that had a good beer garden. Exactly. And I was, you you know, I was struggling a little bit. You like you said, those older ones. I've got a picture of the monks walk in Beverly, where because it's got a very nice passage, and that's got that's a it. series of rooms that go off that passage, working through the back there. But no, I, I mean, I think the only one I could think of was the pub in Howarth. Um, is it the Golden Fleece? That's got. I, I remember us sat in that garden. I think probably because yeah. when we went drinking on our trip, certainly in the early days, it was in the winter. So but they, horrible. But you see, yeah. these these are the old coaching hints. These these are the pubs that that go well before Victorian times. Or these are your classic country pubs, and there's plenty of nice country pubs with beer gardens. Yeah. Uh, but I myself was trying to think, and I think my my best view is the uh, the Water Edge Inn at uh, just outside Ambleside. They have mm. cracking real ale, and you sat right there, and yeah. they've got the, the grass dairy between where their pub is and, and the edge of the, the yeah. uh, Lake Windermere. Yeah. Um, but nowhere is it near Victorian. Yeah, it's got real ale, yeah. but I, I can't think of a Victorian pub that sells decent beer. So the beer garden in the Lamb and Lion at York, of course, is quite stunning. That's fantastic. Yeah, but that's, 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 that's yeah. not a Victorian yeah. pub. It's more medieval, yeah. yeah. isn't it, Brooks? Hundreds yeah. of years, it closed, reopened, burnt down, demolished. It varies incarnational question. I suppose the only thing is, of course, remember... In Orwell's time, there may be large beer gardens, and possibly, you know, since then, the land's been redeveloped and the beer gardens effectively been sold. So he may have had a point, really, because, of course, the great Victorian inns are in uh, urban conurbations. Cities aren't there, really. Yeah, so yeah. They may have had beer gardens, which have long since gone, sadly. Yeah, the only one I could think of, we mentioned last week, was the, the remember the Highlander bar we mentioned in Scarborough, oh, yeah. up on the Esplanade there. And that used to have, a, it wasn't really a beer garden, but it was a, a few tables out the front there. And obviously you, you look over South hotel, Bay, um, which is quite nice. And I guess that's the, uh, probably hotels. I was thinking, even like, you know, we mentioned Whitby, even there, there's very few, I mean, there's the weather spoons you can set yeah. outside there, but look, all those little cracking pubs, Whitby, obviously it's such a little old town, there's not a lot of space to kind of sit out and drink, is there? No, well, it, yeah, the, the, the pub wasn't it wasn't built with the garden in mind. Uh, mm. this, this was it because once again, going back to the, the whole purpose of your outside area, that was to accept your, your coaches and your horses. You yeah. know, so you had a lot of your coaching inns, they had yards at the back. So I can think of plenty of pubs. Nelly's in, in Beverly has got a yard at the back that that's is right. now yeah, a that's the, yeah, that's, it used to be. Yeah, well, uh, they've got a bit of a garden now, they? The side there last time we were there, there's a well, you can't see it's a garden, it's, yeah. it's, well, it's, it's a, an outdoor it's, area. Yeah. That was really developed for the smokers. And of course, the next thing now is, and certainly, you know, in my town, in Newcastle, we, we've actually closed a couple of streets down to allow, and Liverpool done the same. Um, the council have allowed them to close roads so that the pubs can spill out and have mm. outdoor seating. And that might be something else that we may become more, more, more yeah, regular, like, more popular, isn't it? Yeah. 
you know, which I think is, is really great. Really, I quite enjoy that. So we've we've done the through we've done the through ten. So I think I'm keeping score. We've probably agree with about sixty seventy percent of what all we're suggesting. And I guess obviously we're talking about nearly hundred years on from there. Um, so I don't think we probably use uh, Orwell as our go-to guide. Um, I think we agree with the probably ones at the start. We agreed more mm -hmm. with the ones towards the end there. Um, so because we're just really thinking about next week. Next week we're going to start thinking about how you plan uh, a beer trip. And I think we mentioned last week that I think we've all probably spent most of our heads in in the good beer guide, the camera good beer guide. Um, so I think we probably use that rather than Orwell's tens. But I think we've given that a good go, really, and we kind of put those together. I, I'm still saying the bolt makers, certainly, when, as I remember it, is, would be my moon under the water pub at the moment. Bruce, what about yourself? Have you going to sum them all up? or Where do you think? Yeah, you're right. I think as a special place in uh, for all of us, the bolt makers, that, you know, Timothy Taylor's had such a great reputation, and to go there, to what's fixed the brewery tap, it had a... That little bar at the front of the yeah, road. Yeah, I've already chosen it, so you've got to choose another one. The, the branding is the branding is quite shocking. I you actually see, think you, you can't miss it now, can you? With that branding, crikey! No, no. Branding is, branding is shocking. I think if we join Toothby, I think I think Nelly's at Beverly on a cold, dark winter's night is absolutely uh, stunning. To go in there, these stone flag rickety floors. You've got the walls covered in tobacco going back years. You've just got gas lights. It's it's too dark to read. But it's always full of people. Uh, but there's a fire in every room, and it's really just the light for the fire illuminate on a cold, dark winter's night. Uh, that's absolutely uh, stunning, I think. Uh, so for me, Nelly's yeah, that's a good show. And I think last time me and Nick in there, I, I bought as I went to buy and bought two pints of mild, which cost them like two pounds ten. If I had yeah. to say, I had to say for two pints. He goes, yeah, yeah, but you're buying mild, which is like I don't know what it was in those days, what well, these days, but um, good value as well. So Nick, what about yourself? Nelly's, we've, we've ticked off bolt makers in Keithley. Right. Uh, I don't know favourite, but I'll, I'll give you a couple that we've not mentioned. We're going further afield. If ever I go to London, I like to go in the Red Lion, which is a tiny little Fuller's pub. We were talking about small pubs last week and talking about the bulk makes being small, but this is tiny. Uh, but it's, it's floor to ceiling, etched glass and mahogany. It's just off Mayfair, actually. The easiest way to find it is to head to Fortnum Mason's, go in the back streets behind there. It's on the Duke of York Street, which I remember because of York being Yorkshire. And I say it's a tiny little Fuller's pub, but it's literally one little front room, one back room. Uh, but in terms of Victoria Arna, that is that is a cracking one. And then we all know it, go across the the, the, the Irish Sea to Dublin, the Palace Bar, another mm. example of a cracking Victorian Irish pub, right at the end of Temple Bar. So once you get all the idiots going past, going heading towards the traditional looking Irish pubs, they seem to miss the Palace Bar. Uh, they don't tend to see it. Uh, so, you know, that classic two-door entrances, but in fact, there's only one door gets you into the pub and the back room. And once again, it's one of those pubs where you actually start at the bar and work your way around moving seats. And then when you want the drink, you don't get up. You just basically past you. It's a pass the pass. You get a glass back to the bar and then you get another one. Uh, so I'm sure you two will uh, probably agree with me with that one. Now I've mentioned it. It, it's further afield, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's on uh, Fleet Street, isn't it? Just just as before you get into Temple Bar, which is probably quite slightly out of the way. And uh, I did mention last week, if you ever get a chance to watch the Irish pub uh, film documentary, it, it features in there, which is a really good one. I think I remember my memory of that one, Bruce, was was um, chatting to the barman when we were probably first where ever went there, and Ooh. you mentioned that was races were on at um, 
at the Curra, and you mentioned obviously your dad was a racehorse uh, head man at uh, racehorse stables. And with that, they'd organise you a lift. That you, some guy said, right, that's fine. We'll get you a lift there. We'll take you now. And off you went. And you left me and me and Nick, me and Nick spent the rest oh. of the afternoon there, where some random bloke got you in a car, took, drove. Oh. It's fair way to the Curra. It's not like it ten was, minutes yeah. down the road. It's about probably forty-five minutes out of Dublin. And the bar manager um, even <laughs> gave us two members tickets to get in. <laughs> yeah. And then you came back a bit later on. We caught up with you, which is just. Barbie, it was really good. I had his wife's members behind the block and the gate of the chorus says, Ah, you're looking very well, Mrs. O'Connell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 cracking, crack, couldn't make it up. Good stuff. So I think we're about there then. So um that's uh, this episode uh nearly put to bed. So again, I hope those that have been listening, you've enjoyed that. We are gradually kind of getting this out a bit further afield. So we are now available on Apple Podcasts and on Google Podcasts. As I mentioned, we are now we have got our own YouTube channel. So if you just look for Malt Travail, you should find us there. Next week, a bit of a homage to our 80s uh, and 90s <laughs> drinking. Um, I, I've, I've, I've uh, titled next week's Orchestral Maneuvers in the GBG, um, Planning <laughs> the Perfect Beer Trip. So uh, forget Anola Gay, we're going to be looking for the plotting and planning our, our routes, our must-take-off pubs. Um, I think we always kind of had a couple of plan Bs as well, didn't we, in case things. Did, and yeah. I know I, I put a tweet picture that it was snowing like hell here the weekend, and I can remember getting up very early a couple of days and, and, and rigging. Oh, I, we probably didn't ring around in those days. We must have done it over the kind of landline and said, look, what, what's it looking like with you? What's it like in, 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 in York, Bruce? Oh, yeah. it's really heavy. And I remember getting somewhere and trades were being cancelled. I think one year, every train was cancelled. We ended up getting on buzzes. I think we ended up in Bradford. Bus to Bradford, yeah. Just yeah. Buzz, buzz, yeah. Buzz, buzz after buzz. Not even knowing how the hell we were going to get back home. But uh, no. uh, that's when you're young, you don't care. So, <laughs> so if you tune in next week, guys, we'll carry on our discussion. So have a good week, everybody. And I'm going to stop recording now. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>